0: episode 31 the sea of what the matter of moses and the israelites crossing the red sea is a subject that is still debated and talked about today not only because of the incredible power that the lord brought them out of egypt with but because how it could have been done and where it could have happened as well as what sea could the bible be talking about welcome to the history of the bible podcast To mention one more thing about the Passover, the lamb that was used for the Passover was a representation of Jesus. The lamb was to be brought into the home, becoming part of their personal lives. It would be killed, and its blood would be used to protect them from the coming angel of death. In the same way, Jesus' blood covers us so that we are now his righteousness. The lamb's body was to be eaten. Jesus says to eat of his body. It was all meant to point to the coming of Jesus as he was the ultimate lamb that was sacrificed for all. Now, back to the Israelites leaving. When God brought the Israelites out from Egypt, he didn't lead them on the shortest path along the Mediterranean Sea. That way, for sure, would come against the resistance by the Philistines. So by a pillar of fire at night, and by a cloud during the day, the Lord leads them to the road that goes through the wilderness. While traveling, the Israelites left the land of Goshen, which is where they were living, and headed to Sukkoth, which is south. They would continue to move south on the path that would lead them to the desert road. This desert road was not intended to lead them to Canaan at all, but rather the road leads to southern Egypt, or what used to be called Upper Egypt. This direction is totally the opposite way from the direction of Canaan, but when they get to Etham on the edge of the desert, the Lord tells them to head back north. If they continued going south, the Israelites would have been out of Egyptian territory, but with going back north, they stayed in Egypt. God would lead the Israelites to the place of vulnerability by bringing them to Pi ha Although the exact location is not known, it all depends on where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. When the Israelites got to Pi ha The Lord knew that the king of Egypt would hear of them first going south to the desert road and then turning around and coming back up north into Egyptian territory. The Lord is baiting the king to come out and challenge the Israelites. Only the Israelites themselves didn't know this. With the sea to their east and the king of Egypt changing his mind about letting the Israelites go, he and his army came from the west. Because to the king, the Israelites were just wandering in Egypt with nowhere to go. Plus, he and his servants realized that they just lost their free labor, and they were trying to figure out something to do because the economy was definitely about to change. So he changed his mind, once again, about letting the Israelites go, and gathered his army together to attack and bring back the Israelites. Although how large his army is unknown, In Exodus 14, verse 6 and 7, it says that he prepared his army, 600 chariots, all the other chariots of Egypt with their officers, and his army. Oftentimes, when the chariot was used in battle, there were either two to three men riding, one to control the horses, one to fight, and if there was a third man, his job was to protect the other two. While the Israelites were camping, They saw the king of Egypt and his army coming towards them, and this caused panic. They began to cry out to the Lord and complain to Moses that he brought them out of Egypt just to die, by saying, It is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us out to die. At the first sign of trouble, the Israelites were already wishing that they had never left Egypt. The Israelites had been oppressed and in slavery for many years, They most likely had the mindset of slaves. In Exodus 14 verse 12, the Israelites wished to have lived in slavery to the Egyptians and be alive, rather than be free and die in their freedom. Moses, therefore, had to step in and calm the people down. He told the Israelites to stand firm and to watch for the Lord to bring about their salvation because the Lord was going to fight for them and that they would never see the Egyptians again. So the Lord spoke to Moses to take action by lifting up his staff and stretching out his hand over the sea and divide it. That way the Israelites would walk across on dry ground. But God told Moses that the Egyptians will follow, but he didn't tell him what he would do to protect the Israelites, only that they were to take action in faith that God would bring about their victory. When Moses stretched out his hand across the sea, the Lord brought a strong east wind that drove the water back all night long, and it created a dry path for the Israelites to walk on. In Exodus 14 verse 22, it says that the water was like a wall on their left and right as they were walking through. But the Egyptians were unable to follow the Israelites, for the Lord moved the pillar to be in between the Egyptians and the Israelites. In verse 20, it says that the pillar was like a cloud of darkness, but it also lit up the night. Scholars believe that the pillar was a cloud and had the light from the pillar of fire by making it dark to the Egyptians. But on the other side, the pillar was a pillar of fire, thus giving light to the Israelites. One side was in complete darkness and the other side gave the Israelites enough light to pack up their whole camp during the night. It wasn't until the Israelites were in the middle of the sea walking on dry ground that the Lord allowed for the Egyptians to pursue them. During the night, the Israelites had begun to walk through the water and at the morning watch, somewhere between 3 and 6 in the morning, the Lord threw the Egyptians into confusion by making it difficult for them to drive their chariots. The Lord would then tell Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea again to cause the water to be returned to its normal state. And in Exodus 14, verse 28, it says that not one of the Egyptians remained alive. Every one of the Egyptians drowned in the sea. When this happened, the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the shore, and the people feared God and Moses because of the great power that was just shown for their deliverance. One of the big questions that keep coming up with the Israelites crossing the sea is where did it happen? Most translations of the Bible say that the Red Sea is where they crossed. However, the actual Hebrew word for where they crossed is Yamsuf, which actually means Sea of Reeds. One of the reasons that the translators called it the Red Sea and not the Sea of Reeds is because they were going off the information that the Israelites crossed a body of water on the eastern border of Egypt. There are scholars, though, that believe the word should not be translated to mean read whatsoever, but rather it means red, not read. The reason that some scholars believe it to mean red is because of the Greek translation of the Bible. It translates the Hebrew word to mean red, not reed. And in Greek, another word would be used if it were referring to a place that had a lot of reeds and marshes. The Red Sea is connected to the Gulf of Aden which is part of the Arabian Sea. That is then connected to the Indian Ocean. The reason that the Red Sea exists is because it sits between the North African and Arabian tectonic plates that causes the rift for the sea to fill. To the north of the Red Sea are two finger-like gulfs that come off the Red Sea. The gulf that is going northeast from the sea is called the Gulf of Aqaba. In the northwest, the gulf is called Gulf of Suez and between these two gulfs is the Arabian Peninsula. Today, the northwestern gulf, the Gulf of Suez, it has been connected to the Mediterranean Sea by the Suez Canal. In the Bible, the Reed Sea is used to name both the Gulf of Aqaba and the Gulf of Suez. Now, where the Israelites crossed is uncertain, and it can only be guessed. Scholars have come up with a couple of different options of where it could have happened. The first thought is is that the Israelites actually crossed through a bay in the Mediterranean Sea. However, the issue with this route of travel is that the Bible specifically says that the Lord did not take him along the road along the sea. The other option is that it could have been one of the lakes that are between the Gulf of Suez and the Mediterranean Sea. This area is called the Suez Isthmus and there are five lakes in this area. Here is where the Suez Canal was cut through. Another thought is that they crossed in the Gulf of Suez, or it could have been the Gulf of Aqaba that they crossed. However, that crossing point would have taken them down into the Sinai Peninsula and then across the Gulf of Aqaba. Scholars believe that the crossing point of the Gulf of Aqaba is too far east for the Israelites to travel to. Therefore, scholars are more likely to suggest the Gulf of Suez to be the place of crossing. But even this point of crossing has issues, there is not really any evidence, biblical or extra-biblical, that places the Gulf of Suez to be the place the Israelites crossed. It is thought that the land between the northwestern Gulf, the Gulf of Suez, and the Mediterranean Sea was less than it was today, meaning that the Gulf of Suez extended farther north while the Mediterranean Sea is thought to extend farther south than it does today. This land is called by the Egyptians, by using hieroglyphs, to mean reed, and some scholars believe that the Egyptians were speaking of a specific lake that had a lot of reeds in the area, and other scholars believe it to be a group of lakes that are called Reed Sea. Many Egyptian kings connected these lakes with the canals, not to the extent of what today's canal is, but they were connected. This would create a protective border on the eastern side of the Egyptians and a barrier for the Israelites to get out. Somewhere along the Suez Isthmus is believed to be the crossing. Unfortunately, the exact location isn't known, but it most likely wasn't the Red Sea itself. Most likely, it was either the Gulf of Suez or the lakes just north of the Gulf. This doesn't take away from the miracle that God did to save his people. In Exodus 14 verse 21, it says that when Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, that the Lord brought about a strong east wind that divided the waters. How God parted the sea is still debated. There are those that believe that it was just a coincidence, much like those that believe the same for the 10 plagues, and that it must have been an eruption of a volcano that caused the water level to change, or a tsunami that caused the water to form a wall. There have been attempts to explain how the water was drawn back. For example, computer models have been created that shows that the crossing of the Red Sea actually happened in the Nile Delta region. When the crossing is placed here, if an easter wind were to be about 63 miles per hour, it could cause the water to be pushed back on one side. And on the other side, it would have been held back by the landscape. However, the issue is that this assumes that they crossed in the Nile Delta rather than in the south in the Gulf of Suez. It also doesn't explain how the water would have been a wall to the Israelites while they passed through. In this computer model it just shows the wind driving the tide west to form a land bridge. Another thing that the model doesn't take into consideration is that it's based on today's topography, the landscape of the Nile Delta has dramatically changed in the past 3000 years. How that act of parting the water happened is unknown, but God did use a natural aspect, wind, to do a supernatural event, parting the sea. Whether it was just the right place for the wind to blow across the water to create the land bridge, or the wind was the only thing noticeable by the eyes and God was doing something else to create a passage through the water, God did bring the Israelites through the water in a miraculous way. God is not limited to only doing things with natural things. Just like the ten plagues in Egypt, they had natural aspects to them, but they were supernatural in the way that they happened. When the Israelites were walking across the sea, the Egyptians pursued them, but God caused the wheels of the chariots to get stuck, and a panic fell on the Egyptians. They began to say the Israelites' God was fighting against the Egyptians, so they wanted to flee, but the Lord told Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea so that the water would return to its normal state, covering the Egyptians. The water came over the Egyptians' horsemen, their chariots, and men. In Exodus 14 verse 28 it says that not one of the Egyptians lived that went into the sea, not even the king himself. Some scholars have suggested that in verse 23 it only mentions the king's horses and chariots and horsemen that went into the sea. This could mean that not all the army went into the sea to pursue the Israelites. Believing that the foot soldiers that were brought with the king stayed back on the shore. It is also thought that the word horsemen is to mean the men that were riding inside the chariots, not individual men on top of horses. The Bible only mentions the king of Egypt bringing chariots with him to pursue the Israelites. It could mean that the king wanted to move quickly and pursue that he did not want to take foot soldiers with him. But in Psalms 136 verse 15, it says that the king of Egypt and all of his host were taken by the sea. But the Lord protected the Israelites, providing a way for them through the sea on dry ground, but causing that path to be the death of the Egyptian king and his army. The Lord redeemed Israel from slavery with his great power. After the crossing of the sea, Moses and the Israelites looked towards their new future that is ahead of them and began moving forward into the wilderness. So join us next time as the Israelites begin their journey towards the promised land and episode 32, Just Another Day in the Desert. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. We want to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. Please check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.